Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. I want to dive right into this is the final uh, message, if you will, in a, in a series of messages. I won't say that everything's been building to this message, but this message is a pivotal message, in my opinion, in this um, heavenly vision and revelation, if you will, this encounter that the prophet Ezekiel had uh, about living life in the kingdom, this side of heaven. Before I go into Ezekiel, take your Bibles and turn to Revelation 22. And this is the corresponding uh, version of what Ezekiel saw. This is what he was seeing in heaven. This is, what, this is where you're going to spend eternity. You know Jesus. You're following him. You've accepted him. Uh, you go to heaven. That's where you're going. This is, what, this is just a, a snapshot, if you will, that John uh, saw when he had the same type of encounter that Ezekiel saw. John was seeing it in the future. Ezekiel was seeing it. Uh, primarily, I believe, for this time, this kingdom age that we're living in. But the, the, how, they, how they are similar is it it's only can be uh, the mind of God that would do this. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, Revelation 22, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God, a pure river of water of life, uh, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of his street on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruits every month. The leaves of the trees for the he- were for the healing of the nations. <clears throat> and there shall be no more curse. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Why? Because he became a curse. No more curse there. But the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. That's you. Turn to somebody and say, that's you. The servants of God shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be upon their foreheads. There shall be no more night there. They don't need a lamp nor the light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. What an incredible, what an incredible future that Jesus has prepared for those that love him. Amen? I don't believe we make heaven good enough and hell hot enough in the days that we live in. <laughs> There's something that we have to look forward to that's incredible as followers of Christ. Now we go back to Ezekiel chapter 47, and this is the prophets, this is the, the conclusion of this experience he was having where he saw the river that was ever increasing, and, and I preached a half a dozen messages on it, so I'm not going to redo that now, but this is the, this is the culmination of it. And... I want to talk to you or title this or look at it in this emphasis, life by the river or living by this river. And uh, there are three things that come up in this ending of this vision is provision, protection, and recovery. In Ezekiel 47, 12, and this is what he saw and heard and received of the Lord. Along the bank of the river on this side and that, or on both sides, will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither, and their fruit will not fail. They'll bear fruit every month, 
because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be food and their leaves for medicine. Now, of course, this is all spiritual allegory. That is, these are types, these are shadows. That's what the Old Testament, uh, that's, that's one of the great ways of looking and, and interpreting the Old Testament is it's shadow and types for what, what the time is that we live in, in this reality of the spirit realm. But Ezekiel was shown a kingdom cycle of life that was higher, that is higher than the natural level or the natural cycle of life on earth. Uh, that's the thing about uh, following Jesus is that we've been called to a higher life. Now, does that mean we, we uh, uh, shake off all the imperfections and all the things of this world? No, we're still in it. We're still around it. We still have to deal with it. Jesus' promise was that he would never leave us. He would never say, forsake us. He would help us through that. But what uh, the believers call is, is that the life goes higher. In this, in this analogy, what Ezekiel was saying, uh, the other way was that you, the, the river keeps getting deeper. And if you understand, that's what he's talking about. You keep getting more and more. There's no end to this thing. Finally, he ended up at the at a river that couldn't see across, couldn't swim across. It was just, it was incredible. And Ezekiel was shown a kingdom cycle of life. And one of the things that I believe is your responsibility as mine, as followers of Jesus, is that we not content ourselves to living at a level lower than what the Lord's calling us to. And it's easy to do that. It's easy to hit the coast button. It's easy to hit the cruise control button. It's easy to do that. I've done it many times. And, uh, but the Holy Spirit, as you tune into Him, He's continually uh, calling you. John, in the first part of the book of Revelation, there was an angel and he said, hey, come up here and I'll show you great things to come. How many desire, how many, yeah, I want that. I want that. By the way, it's so glad, glad, good to have Edith here today. Uh, or Judith, I'm sorry, Judith here today. And uh, she just got a new knee replacement and welcome. So good to have Mike Wisman, my friend, and my comrade comrade and our associate and been in this church for many 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 years and uh, we love them we love them oh take that as a badge of honor you serve 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 dutifully and he said he said uh, where do you want me today I said right on the front row right where I can look you in the eye right right where everybody can see you and uh, amen keep Mike in your prayers amen we have and we are um the journey of the believer, then, is rising above the natural realm of this fallen world. A few years ago, and it wasn't, it wasn't first with me, I heard it from some others, but it definitely quickened in my heart. A few years ago, I just, I can't say I did it 100%, but I just basically shut off the 24-7 news cycle. It's pervasive, it's everywhere in our culture. Why? Because they intended. They intended everybody in this connected uh, digital world. I mean, they've got mul you know, multiple, multiple news feeds that just pop up on your phone. I mean, you can literally spend every day looking. And, and uh, I think at times, yeah, it, it's good to know what's going on. But at times, the enemy uses that. And one of the strategies, I believe, in that 24-7 news cycle is to keep you as a believer at a level below where you're really supposed to be. It just literally sucks the faith out of you. And... and uh, Everything is doomsday and everything is, 
is, is salacious and, and, and all of that thing. And the Bible says that we're to think upon things above that are pure, good, and holy, and, and all of that. And that's just, that's a free tip right there. But uh, Ezekiel was shown this kingdom cycle, and that uh, as you live close to the river, uh, you, you, you can rise above things in your own life, all the struggles that we all have, uh, and you can live above the natural cycle that is in this war. And I'm not talking about the cycle of life and death and all that kind of thing, but I'm just talking about the cycle of, of victory. Jesus wants you to live. He said, I came that you might have life. Remember that? And what do you say about that life? That you would have it more abundantly. What's that mean? More abundantly than those that are outside of the kingdom have it. The journey of the believer is rising above the natural realm. And so in this, in this uh, part of this ending of this vision, I believe there are some keys here that, that give us insight about how we can do that. And, and I want to, uh, this 12th verse, there's a number of things here. We're going to just start to break it down a little bit about how you can live in, in, in a fashion where you're not continually pulled below what you're what God's heart and desire for you is, where you'll be able to find your, your potential and, your, and that full passion of what the Lord has planned for you on this side of heaven. And so life on the riverbank or living on the edge is what I like to call this. Um, we are called to live on the edge. And I don't mean um, doing stupid things or daredevil things, but I mean living on the edge to where we're not content with the way this world does life. We want something higher and better and more full, that abundant life that Jesus spoke of. And so he said in 12, along the bank of the river. Now, he showed Ezekiel, he actually put Ezekiel in the river from the shallow end to the deep end, all that. But here, as he was coming out, he saw the river had trees and all kinds of things that were, there were multitudes of uh, fishermen along the banks on both sides of this river. And the, and the, the, there was every kind of imaginable fish that you can imagine. There were exceeding many of them. It's literally, it's a type and a shadow of, of the kingdom of the gospel going forth and the catch being uh, limitless. The greatest churches to ever be built are still coming. The greatest move of God, I believe, that will ever be seen are just on the horizon. That is, the Lord has not completed what he set up to do whenever Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. But he goes on with this, along this banks of the river, on this side and that side, the river, river flowed from east to west, and, and uh, so these trees were on the north and the south, just to get, get at least kind of a picture there. And the first thing that he brings up is that uh, along on both sides will grow all kinds of trees used for food. What I believe one of the things the Lord was communicating to Ezekiel and therefore to us who would follow Jesus is that when you live close to the river, there is a, there is a supernatural supply that you tap into in your life. I'm not talking just about money, but I do believe provision, money. Uh, uh, God, uh, Jesus said that don't worry, don't take thought of tomorrow. Yeah, you have to do what you need to do, but you're not going to increase it by worrying about it or being fearful about it. He said the lilies of the field, they're more beautiful than anything. Even Solomon, when he was arrayed in his glory, and he said if God does that for them and if he cares for the birds and not, not a one of them falls, how much more does he care for you? There is a provision that comes 
as you live in this stream and this flow of the presence of God, not just on a Sunday morning of church, but in every moment and every day of your life. It's a land of fruit trees. And that's the amazing thing. Whenever the first few times I went through this, and he was talking about trees, I kind of picture, you know, we live in the Northwest, right? Susan and I went down the, the gorge this week, had a little break, and I mean, it's just, there's just millions and millions of trees. We went for a hike, and um, it was raining, but we still went, and it's beautiful. But this isn't a Northwest kind of thing that he's talking about. Multitudes and multitudes of fruit trees on both sides of the river. Fruit trees, it's a land of them. And it's not just any fruit trees. It's all kinds of fruit. And a couple of things that came to mind as I was looking at that is that uh, you're never going to get bored with the same old thing as you serve the Lord. Mm-hmm. He doesn't require you just to eat apples, if I can use it that way. He doesn't require you, oh, you're just, you're on this tree and that's all you get. No, there's multitude. His provision is for everything that you know you have need of. And then the remarkable thing is, he has provision for the things you've never even thought of. For the things that you never would have thought of on your own. Being uh, a part of that kingdom and saying, God, I'm going to live it in, in the full dynamic of my life, seeking you first. And you said that all these other things would come to me. What are those things? There's a land of fruit trees and, and all kinds of, there's, there's nothing. I got saved when I was a late teenager. And I will say this, the experiences that I've had in life serving him and following him, I know I never would have had had I not accepted Christ. He just has been so glorious and bringing all manner of things that I would have never uh, known about had I not served him. Leaves. He goes on and he said, there's all manner of these fruit trees. And, and he said something about them. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit will not fail. Leaves that never turn color. In his kingdom, there's no time of dormancy. Yeah, there's times of rest. There is that recycling that, that we need to uh, refresh and rest and vacations and all of that. But I'm talking about life living in the Spirit. It's, it's never, you know what, I'm going to take a time out from God and just go do my own thing. No. There, there's this, this thing that the leaves never turn. There's no time of dormancy. One of the, one of the words and the concepts that I was, as I was looking into this is, is that the reason the leaves turn in, in the natural world is they just get used up. They just, the, the actual word translates out all spent. They've done the, the very essence of what they are in their molecular and chemical makeup. It just, it just gets used up. And um, in the kingdom, there's never a time of depletion. He made it that you would be renewed over and over again. That, as a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, he said, are you to be renewed like that of an eagle? I won't go into that uh, right now, but there's a whole wonderful um, uh, insight into how in the natural order of things, God has set it up that there will be renewal and refreshing and not just wearing out and being done. Yeah, this robe, this body, it wears out. Eventually, it goes back to the dust, and there, there is all of that. One of the things I'm going to be talking about in the next uh, few weeks or in this next semester is uh, uh, the doctrine of death. Do you realize the church is the only major religion that gets the doctrine of death right? 
No other major religion gets it. And the crazy thing is the church, it's not that they afraid to deal with it. or what, We just never really think about it because we're so consumed with, with life, which is good. Um, but uh, that doctrine, knowing that God has our life ordered from beginning to the end, and that we don't have a fear that the world lives in. So some of the great religions of the world, this is how they deal with it. Well, you'll just be reincarnated and you'll do it all over again. Oh, thank God, that's not the reality. <laughs> I get through it once. I don't want to, yeah, okay. Uh, and I won't go into all that. We'll, talk, we'll do that on Wednesday night. But this doctrine of what is our life about? Well, as we're here and in this time, there's no dorm state. We never get depleted in the way that we serve God. Our bodies age, of course, but our spirits actually increase in their vibrancy and their ability. So, uh, he said a couple things. The fruit is never exhausted. He said the leaves, uh, there will be, uh, uh, they'll bear fruit every month. The fruit's never exhausted. Okay, there's no need to store up in the kingdom. There's no freeze-dried. There's no canning. There's no, I got to hang on because I'm never going to get this again. That's, that's that time of depleting. That's that poverty mentality. The kingdom doesn't work like that. Jesus said, if you trust me, he said, your father knows what you have need of. Don't worry about it. Yeah, be diligent, work. If you don't work, you don't eat, all those kind of things. But, but uh, God's never going to, in his kingdom, there's always not just enough, there's always more than enough. He has more than enough to take care of you. Oh, Lord, my bills are bigger than my, than, than my checkbook. Okay, trust him in all of your ways. Honor him with your finances. Do all of that stuff. And believe. Watch the Lord bring a cycle of provision into your life. That's what he was really showing uh, Ezekiel here. We saw it over in Revelation for the eternal uh, presence, being in the presence of the Lord. But here he's saying, hey, listen, as you live by the river, as you live on the edge, they, the fruit that you get to eat from, the trees that you get to eat from, they're never exhausted. There's no poverty mindset in the kingdom. I was going to bring in something and I actually forgot, so I'll, I'll do it best without, without a little prop. But I have the holster that my great-grandfather used in his life. Now, he came from a different time. He was, his, he was alive in the 1800s. His name was Tilton, Tilton Gilnett. He lived with us when I was a little boy, Grandpa Tilt, and um, I have his holster. I have his, I have his 1898 Colt single-action army revolver. It doesn't work now, but I have it. And in my little room, in my little office that no one can go into, except Susan and the dog and the kids and all that, but I've got my, all my stuff there, and I have his holster hanging up there. And it's this old leather holster that is literally looks like it's been run over a hundred times by a truck. And it's just, it's just worn out leather. That's all I can say about it. His, his pistol uh, is just there's no bluing left on it, and it doesn't work, and it's got a chip out of it. And I took it to an old-time gunsmith a while back, and he looked at it, and he said, oh, you don't even want to restore this because it's more valuable this way than it is restoring. And I wasn't even talking to him about restoring it. I was just saying, what is this? He also said, he said, you see these two marks? I said, yeah. He said, you don't even know what those are for. 
I said, what do you mean? He said, well, the old timers put marks like this on their pistols when they were used for certain things and defending themselves. Grandpa Till, in the Depression, had coal mines. And he made his living by mining coal with a pick and shovel and an old truck and a wheelbarrow and all that. But he had a payroll. And I found out a little bit about the story in those marks. And it was, had to do with protecting the payroll. <laughs> Aren't you glad that Jesus came into our line? Yeah, amen. I am. I am. Ha <laughs> ha. What I saw when I looked at that holster was a poverty mindset. And I saw it in my family right to the end in that they literally hung on to everything they got because they were afraid they would never get anything else. The kingdom we're a part of doesn't operate like that. The fruit never fails. The leaves never fall. There's never a time when it just goes dormant, like, what are we going to do now? Man, we've got to go to the cellar. We've got to find what we soared up from. Listen, uh, I'm, I'm not against saving. Just hear me. I'm, follow with me in the spirit. Uh, we trust God no matter what's going on. And he always is able to make a way. You know the verse. He makes a way where there seems to be no way. The fruit's never exhausted. I thank God for that. Because right now, looking at this church, just the physical plant, we need more than what we've got in the bank to do what needs to be done. Oh, man, what are we going to do now? We're going to trust God. We're not in, we're not in, you know, we're not going behind. We've got enough to pay, pay everything. But, uh, you know, the cities come, and they said, hey, you got to do this, and you got to do this. And I'm like, okay, Lord, uh, we need some breakthrough. So I'm praying for breakthrough. Not saying, oh, God, give the people money that they'll give it, if that, however the Lord does that. But I know, and will you do this with me? Let's trust him for provision because he put you here, and he put us here, and he put us all here. And he has a purpose and a plan for us. And he hasn't run out, and neither will we. Praise the Lord. Fruit never exhausted. The great thing about these trees is that the blossom and the, ripe, and the ripe fruit are always on the tree at the same time. In order to have fruit that never fails and that it comes to ripening every month, you have to have the blossom and you have to have the ripe fruit hanging on the tree at the same time. Listen, what God is, is wanting to bring you into a revelation in your life is that there's always fresh beginnings and there's always full completions happening simultaneously in your life in the Spirit. He's always working something. And the Bible talks about don't despise small beginnings. What's a small beginning? The blossom. Now, some people, uh, they can look at a blossom. They say, oh, that's going to be that kind of apple or that's going to be that kind of fruit. or that's what that's. Most of the time, uh, you're going to look at the blossom. You're not really going to understand, oh, this is what it's going to be when it fully ripens. But he knows. But you can get an idea about the fully ripe things that you're experiencing right now, and you need to look for them. Listen, Jesus uh, made a way so that we can experience fruitfulness, so that is peace and joy and love right now, regardless what's going on in your life. Regard this has nothing to do with the circumstances of your life. Oh, ripe fruit means everything's good. It's never always going to be good. But there's always going to be fruit that brings satisfaction, and uh, will sustain you 
and they're on the tree at the same time. One of the things I, I love about the kingdom is that you're specifically told to not despise small beginnings. So look for the small things that are beginning to happen in your life because they're an indicator of what's coming. Deborah, that's why I wanted you to share that testimony when I heard about it of that woman who was healed. And I don't believe she's even a Christian, if I understood right. He's a good God. Do I understand it all? I don't but I see the blossoms. If he'll do that there, he'll do more over here. He'll do more here. He'll do, he'll do amazing things within our life. Uh, the ripe fruit. You know, the enemy wants to lie to you and tell you that, you know, because of who you were, what you did in your life, you're just going to live busted and disgusted now. And I'm not a prosperity guy that, oh, man, you're going to have five Cadillacs and live in a mansion. But I do believe this, that God's going to take care of you. He's got the right job, he's got the right means, he's got the right place, he's got the right provision, and he does it all well. And our job is to walk by and live by faith. That's what our job is, to, to, to walk it out in trusting him. Now, he goes on and he, he brings up this, and this is where I'm going to um, really begin to end it up as and kind of set up for where we're going to be going in the next few Wednesday nights, is he actually talks about the importance of the leaves here in verse 12, that uh, there are all kinds of trees and they're used for food. Oh, another little caveat. Everything in the kingdom can be used to nourish you. So if you want to break it down, what, what kind of fruit? Well, there's, there's, um, there's uh, uh, when people bless you, speak blessings over you, that can be nourish you. Yeah. But there's also times whenever you might be needed to be corrected or chastised or, or rebuked. I mean, it doesn't happen very much. But that can be used for food for you. Everything that happens in the New Testament church is there to sustain and nourish you. So when you try to take chunks of what the New Testament church is and say, well, we don't want that or we don't believe that, or we just believe those kind of things all stop with, you know, back in the first century. You're cutting off the dessert. <laughs> You're cutting off part of the food that he set up for you. Well, I don't know about this prophets and I don't know about apostles. and I don't. You're cutting off things that God has prepared for you. So you take it all. Why? Because they're there to sustain you and to nourish you. This fruit is for food. Now he goes on and he said they'll bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. I'll, I'll touch that in just a moment. Um, their fruit will be food, and listen to this, and their leaves for medicine. <clears throat> the importance of leaves. I looked it up. There's only one fruit that I could find, and I just took what Google pulled up, and I guess I trust Google. <laughs> but it said there's only one fruit. It's called nani, N-O-N-I. There's only one type of tree that bears fruit every month, and it's a citrus that grows in the South Pacific somewhere. It's not very common is the whole thing, this process that he's talking about. To follow the Lord in the way that he wants you to live, it's, it's a... It's, uh, more than ordinary. You're not going to live a common life. And I mean that in a positive way. But there's also an importance 
to things in the kingdom that the world looks at and they don't even really know that they're important or that they, they miss the significance of it. I think the world misses the significance of church. And it's not because I'm a pastor and, you know, I, my life is the church. No, I, I believe, put all that aside, I believe the world misses the significance of church. Church is like the leaf of the fig tree or the, uh, the fruit tree. And there's all kinds of, uh, of analogies I could use there. But uh, as you go in, Ezekiel was shown that these leaves do more than nourish the fruit. Their source was different. They, they were getting their water, their refreshing from the sanctuary. It goes on there. Uh, if you're going to try to live a spirit-filled life and, and, and try to do it without receiving any type of refreshing from heaven in your life, good luck with that. Receiving the water, the refreshing, that which causes fruitfulness to happen, it has to come from above. It's never going to come from this world. It doesn't even come laterally from each other. Yeah, we need to encourage one another, edify one another, but the real source of the believer's life is what comes from heaven and what comes from the Spirit, and it, it sustains us. And so, over in Mark 11, can you put that up, Mike? Over in Mark 11, 12 through 14, there's this encounter that Jesus had with his disciples and a particular tree, a fig tree. And Jesus... So this is right after Palm Sunday. That's the time. The day before they, hail, Hosanna, the king of kings, and the children were praising, and if they don't praise me because the, the religious people got all upset, shut these kids up, and he said, if we shut those up, their rocks are going to praise me. That's what just happened. They spent the night, now they're up early the next morning, and Jesus and his disciples were heading out on the next leg of the journey, and seeing from afar, this is Jesus, seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves. Now, you're going to connect dots. We're spiritualizing this, of course. What's this meaning of leaves? They're specifically mentioned in Ezekiel's vision. The leaves. Pay attention. There's fruit. Never fails. It's always there. But the leaves. Jesus, having seen the fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. What? Figs, right? He knew it had leaves. But seeing the leaves, he was hoping, he was deducing. You can put your own uh, interpretation. He was, he was planning. I see leaves. That is, it hasn't dropped its leaves. They're still doing what leaves are supposed to do, which I'll get to in a moment. Hopefully there's some figs there. Perhaps he would find something on it, figs. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For it was not the season for figs. Now, I just want to stop there because before we go to this next portion, I mean, it wasn't even fig season. Uh, I, I'm almost feeling sorry for the fig tree at this point, but just hang on. Jesus sees it from a long ways away. Oh, I see a green fig. I see green leaves in the fig tree. Man, let's go. And uh, maybe I'm, I'm hungry. Maybe I can get some figs. Gets up there and nothing but leaves. And the reason there was nothing but leaves for it was not season for figs. You see, I believe there's a story that's bigger than the story. I believe that there's a story behind the story here. I believe it's somehow we can connect it 
a little bit to what Ezekiel saw when he saw, when he saw this vision in heaven, when he was shown this is how the kingdom works. You see, in the kingdom, the leaves never die. That is, if you can, if you can track with me here a little bit, it never gets to where it gets so bad that what leaves do spiritually, they just fall off dead and they don't do it anymore. That's the way the world works. That's the way natural fruit trees work. Kingdom doesn't work like that. So when the enemy tells you, well, I guess I'm just in a time of there's nothing. Jesus saw this fig tree. And I think he was giving a lesson to the disciples and to us. He was expecting more out of that fig tree than what that fig tree was able to do on its own. What's that mean? I'm talking about you. God has more to bring from your life than what you'll ever dream could ever happen to you. You can bear fruit when it's even the wrong season. Our president, Steve Riggle, will be with him this week. They're friends of ours and, and all of that, and we've worked with him and on his staff, and, and uh, he's an apostle. Anyway, all this stuff, you don't know him, and maybe sometime we can get him here. But I rem- I've, I've sat in numerous staff meetings and, you know, leadership meetings and executive-type meetings. And, and I've seen him do it over and over again to younger ones. But then I experienced it several times when he did it with me. And it was this. Here's the project, guys. We're going to do this. We're going to build this church. We're going to send this missionary. We're going to believe God to plant uh, 100 more churches in the next few years. And whatever, whatever it be. There was, you know, all, all kinds of stuff. And guess what? And you're going to be part of it. And he calls you out. Because he is an apostle and he has a prophetic anointing. And, and, um, and, and this is the punchline. Gary, I need you and Susan to do this. And I'm like, what? How are we going to do that? Heard him say it over and over again. You can do more than what you think you can. I think that's part of the lesson Jesus was giving from this fig tree. Don't limit yourself based on your capability or even on your season. Pastor, I might still have a few leaves, but man, I'm 89 years old and I got nothing left. Oh, you got more left than what you think you do. My friend Leonard. Breakfast. Pastor, I want to do something for God. Okay. You're ushering. You're doing this. You're, oh, guess what? You're, you're a, a chaplain of the church. You're visiting the sick and all that kind of thing. Well, I want more. I'm like, Leonard, can't you just be satisfied? with? No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't do that. I said, you know what, Leonard? We've done this at a couple other places, and I think you're the man. We need to start having a ministry from people's church that goes into nursing homes. Can you do that? I think so. Okay, go find a nursing home. I, I don't know any nursing home, but you can find it. A few weeks later, Leonard came back. I got the door open. I'm going in. I'm starting to do Bible studies in this nursing home. Come on, somebody. I don't know how old Leonard is, but he's a little bit older than me, and he's still 
dreaming dreams. This message. At first you think, man, Jesus, take it easy on the poor fig tree. It wasn't even fig season. You're expecting more out of it than it was naturally able to do. That's the whole point of the message, church. It's not about what you do in the natural. It's about what you're able to do in the supernatural with his touch upon your life. Look to somebody and say, I think he's talking to you. (laughs) And so he came, he found nothing on it, for it was not fig season. And in response, Jesus said, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. Yikes. I thought Jesus was all love and peace and joy. Man, he's roughing this poor old fig tree, and y'all take it easy on the fig tree. And not about the fig tree. It's about you, and it's about me. It's about people's church. It's about the kingdom. You see, when you travel with Jesus, he expects things more than what just happens from you naturally. That means that, so now you have to live a life in the, in the supernatural. Don't be content as a follower of Jesus to just live in the natural realm. So he goes on, and his disciples heard it. Go on up to the next. Did we got more on that, Michael? Is that it? Okay, that's it. Anyway, uh, I think we go on to verse 22. Uh, 20, uh, 12, 20 and 22. If you can find now in the morning as they passed this. Oh, now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree. So night went. Won't go through that. But now it's the next morning. They saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And, you know, one of Jesus' favorites, Peter. ha, ha, ha. And Peter remembering, Peter was taking notes. Good thing to do when Jesus is speaking. Said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. Some translations say has withered from the root. It died from the bottom up. Jesus answered and said, have faith in God. What's he talking about? Peter, you can live above a natural way of, of lifestyle and living. A couple of things, and we'll wrap up with this. Ezekiel was shown the even greater importance of what the leaf-type likeness means to kingdom living. The importance of leaves is, is they do, they're more than just for decoration. Jesus was looking at those leaves. He wasn't looking that they're green and they looked healthy or they're, they made the tree look. He was looking at that in an expectation of, of what that could indicate. The very survival of the created order. This is the thing that blew my mind. Do you realize the very survival of the created order, the way that God has ordered the cycle of life in the natural world, is dependent upon leaves? Why? Because almost, almost every living thing on the planet depends upon Uh, the produce that comes from the agricultural world to live. You do. If you're a vegan, particularly. But even if you're a carnivore like me, those cows eat leaves. And you can go through it all. It's amazing. I, I don't have time to do it. But basically, the whole world is nourished by this cycle. Ezekiel was shown the even greater importance of what the leaf-type likeness means to the kingdom life. Three things, and I'll quit. They turn light into food, photosynthesis. They're able to take the light from the sun, and through all the components chemically in those leaves, they can take just light and turn it into food, which feeds the entire world. Can you see a spiritual application there? God is light, right? What do you expect you to do? 
take the light of what comes from him and let it produce food and nourishment in your life. And it does. They exchange gases that actually enable you to live by breathing oxygen. And I know we got global warming and carbon dioxide is killing the whole planet and we're, it's going to burn up in a cinder. Well, the Bible says that, but I don't, you know, I don't know that it's going to happen because of global warming. But you know what leaves breathe? They take the very carbon dioxide and they transform it into oxygen, which you need to live. They exchange gases. There's this, there's this spiritual transfer that the, the stuff that just happens to you in living, and it happens to all of us, the waste products that happen from being alive in this world that is sin-sick and lost and broken. When you come into his kingdom and you begin to experience what leaves do in this, in this vision that he was seeing, is he's able, to exchange, he's able to take the ashes and give you beauty. That's another way that another prophet saw. And this is the part I love. They supply or draw water into the tree. It's called transpiration. So what the leaves, what the leaves do is with the moisture that they have in them, because of their surface area, it evaporates. And as it evaporates, it sucks up or draws more water. Where are those trees living by? They're not living in a desert, not these trees. There's multitudes of them, and they're clustered on each side of the river. Just like Psalm said, so is the righteous man planted by. This whole allegory, analogy of, of the leaf is that uh, as your life lives in a world that is hard, that is dark, that is complicated, that has so much stuff going on in it that we don't understand, that kingdom uh, work in you actually takes and causes you to draw in the very sustenance that you need in your life from the Holy Spirit. Then he said they heal. They'll, the fruit would be for food and the leaves for medicine. They heal. They restore those who use them. It's, it, it translates out as medicine. It's a different word. They, they take care of the bruises and the sores. And so what we're, we're taking this is this Wednesday night I'm going to start, uh, I'm going to start dealing in the doctrine class with uh, miracle signs and wonders in the New Testament church. Because that's what this is indicating. We still need miracle signs and wonders in the church. Divine healing is part of it. Do I understand it? No. Boy, am I going to be able to teach you so that you understand it? No. But I'm going to be able to introduce at least on a, a, a level to where It'll build faith that it still happens today. I can't believe, I can't even remember who I was talking to, but this morning I was talking to somebody, one of my heroes in the faith in the past hundred or so years, and I've read, I, I think I've read all of his books, but uh, John G. Lake, he was, a, he was a healing evangelist in the mid-19th century. Started out in Africa as a missionary. 
His first wife died on the mission field of being worked to death, feeding, taking care of the needs. If you read his biography, you find out that. John G. Lake then spent the rest of his life operating in the supernatural realm of the miraculous and specifically divine healing. I used to write an article every week and we put it in one of the church uh, bulletins that I was a part of and I also put it on other places. This was before the internet. Um, but for years I wrote about healing every week and I would, John G. Lake's inspiration. If, you, if you're truly interested in this, go on Amazon or whoever and, and get his books. But we want to touch on that. We need to touch on that. Not just because we, we have some people in the church that are sick. You're always going to have sick people in the church. I'm believing for a divine healing miracle in my brother and my friend, Michael Wisman. I'm believing for you. We're standing and praying and believing. What do we do? Keep praying. What do we do? Keep drawing from the leaf of the kingdom. What do we do? Keep standing on the... But we're going to look into it. I want to start this Wednesday night. Bring some, not just order, but bring some insight. You get, Spurgeon uh, absolutely believed this. You get what you preach in talking to preachers. He said, listen, why don't we get people saved? He said, because you never preach about people getting saved. <laughs> he preached it every week. Let's stand. I know even in a group this size this morning, Yes, I can do that. How many need a miraculous release in your life on some level? Raise your hand before him. You need something to happen that you can't make happen, that you don't see any way for it to happen, and that you're believing and trusting God. I got both hands, all my fingers and toes. I'm like, God, ha, ha, ha. Lord, we come to you today, not just asking and petitioning, but we come to you today declaring that we're going to live on the edge. We're going to live on the banks of the river that you showed Ezekiel. We're going to live in that place, God, where our supply comes from another source, not just us. That, Lord, we're trusting you to make a way, Lord, on every level, whether it be miracles and healing and, and signs and wonders or just things that we need provision for or just that we're bored. God, we, that kingdom excitement and enthusiasm, let it burn within us again in Jesus' name. So, Father, we come today and I pray in people's church that there will be an activation of the Holy Spirit and it will be on the lines and the level of what Ezekiel saw in 47. And that, God, it would become the nature that we would be people that would be willing to live in the, in, in the risk zone. That, God, book of Acts kind of people. Challenge us, Holy Spirit. Make a way for us to go higher in the ways of your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Gary, Amen. I keep hearing prodigals, so I just want to be obedient to Holy Spirit. So if you have prodigals in your life that have strayed far away from God or they're just not interested, I just feel like the Lord wants you to be encouraged. He's doing something in prodigals. There's an anointing mm -hmm. in this season for prodigals. So Lord, I thank you 
for what you're doing in our families and yes, our children and our grandchildren and our cousins, Lord, and our friends that have walked away from you. I thank you for bringing them back in. And I saw, like, the Lord Jesus holding this uh, rope. What do you call it when you pull somebody in? Tug of war, like, I don't know. But he's holding a rope, and the person's on the other end, and they think they've run away, but Jesus has the rope. So, Lord, I thank you for holding them tight and for drawing them in. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.